0: Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit christcitychurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But, it, but with you there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. In his words I put my hope, I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. I'll just pray quickly. Dear God, thank you so much for this day that everyone here is able to just come to worship you and fellowship with each other. I pray for Isaac as he speaks to us that he would um, that he would be your tool to challenge us and enable us and be able to show us your grace, and that we would be open to the challenges and open to applying the to open to applying um, the tools that he gives us and that that we can glorify you during the week. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. 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 Amber, thank you. So great to be with you all. If you haven't met me before, my name's Isaac. I've been coming to CCC for a couple years now, but I'd normally be coming to the evening service, so if we haven't met before, it's great to meet you. One thing to know about me, I've just finished university. I was at UCD studying biology, so I just finished in May. One thing that I actually really struggled with when I was doing that was procrastination. I don't know if I'm the only one who struggled with that. Uh, A particularly bad moment happened this January. We get a long break for Christmas, about a month. So quite rightfully, my thesis supervisor gave me a whole bunch of work to be doing over that time. And well, unsurprisingly, I neglected to do any of it until suddenly it was the last week off and I had this crashing realization that Number one, I didn't have enough time to do the work he'd given me, and number two, I didn't even know how to do it. So I was in a lot of trouble. I was freaking out, huge anxiety, because suddenly I knew that he was gonna know that I hadn't done anything, I couldn't escape it. And you know he was gonna give me my final grade, so it was important that I had him on my side to kind of trick him into thinking that I was smart. <laughs> so I was in trouble, I was in a lot of trouble, and I knew that I couldn't get out of that situation. And I don't know if many of you can relate, to a situation like that, that feeling, that time of panic, that sick feeling, knowing that you you just can't get out, you're going to be found out, you're trying to sweep it under the carpet, but you can't. And it's similar to where the writer of the psalm is when he writes this, except that it's entirely different because instead of worrying about a grade that he's about to get, the writer of the psalm is facing the shocking realization of his standing before God and the dire state that he finds himself in. In what I'll go on to explain, he's dealing with a guilty conscience and realizes that he's in fact a sinner in need of saving. Personally, I can all too easily think back to times when I've acted rashly or quickly in anger or selfishness or lust, and I've done and said things that I regret. But this psalm is brilliant for a time like that when you know you've messed up and you're struggling to accept the emotional and the physical consequences of those actions. Perhaps you can relate or maybe you think I'm being too judgmental. But what we find in this psalm are four key actions that the writer takes when he's dealing with those emotions and four key actions I believe we can all be reminded of regardless of where we're at in our faith today. So let's start with reading the first two verses of this psalm. When you look down with me it says, "'Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. So you may notice that there's four stanzas in this psalm and with each stanza, we're gonna see a new action that the writer takes. And in this first one, it's, we see that he repents to a God that listens. So to understand this, we need to understand a Hebrew word. It's called "hata." Can you say it with me? <laughs> chata, I really wanna, to... <laughs> it's in <laughs> chata, yeah, really in the back of the <laughs> So what does it mean? Why, why do you need a note? You don't really, I could have given it to you in English. It's just kind of fun to say. But in English, it means sin. And to understand this psalm, we first need to understand this word, and I know it comes with a lot of connotations, um, but to understand it, perhaps it's easy to look at the spelling. And you see what's in the middle of sin. It's the letter I. See, sin is when I put myself at the center of my life and do things my way. The Bible says that God created the world and he made it to be perfect, and so he made us to live in a perfect relationship with him and with others. And as the creator, he gave us guidelines as to how to live in a good relationship with him, how to live in a good relationship with others. But sin is when I choose to live my way and to put my way in front of God to serve my need over God's needs or others' needs. And the problem with this is sin, it pollutes us, it entirely pollutes us and it changes us and it creates this barrier between us and God and it's a barrier that continues into eternity I can kind of struggle with this idea because honestly, I kind of think I'm a pretty good guy. I think my mates would say I'm sound enough. I try to be generous with my time, try to be generous with my money. I get on reasonably well with most people. I'm not that bad a guy, I think. I think I can try to work my way into God's good books, stay above his threshold of goodness. You know, I'm not perfect, sure who is, but I could be good enough. But the Bible says that good enough is not good enough. It's, it's that we are imperfect people. No matter what we do, we are imperfect people and God is a perfect God. It's not a threshold of trying to get into God's good books, but rather it's absolute. As perfect God, he can only be with perfect people. It'd be like if I get this clear glass of water and this is like us without any messing up, any sin, and I even add just a little bit of J2O or Ribena or Drick, Lingen, whatever that is, like here. (laughs) But you see how it completely changes it, even a little bit? It creates an impenetrable barrier between us and God. It's the same way with us. Even a little bit of sin, and it's an impenetrable barrier. It completely pollutes us. And this is the realization that the writer makes when he starts this psalm. This understanding of his own sin and his own separation from God, his own need for saving. And it's from this understanding he makes his first action you see how he calls out to God. He cries out for mercy. He asks for forgiveness. He recognizes where he's gone wrong. The Bible would say this is what is called to repent, to recognize his mistakes. Also, it's key to notice that he doesn't run away from God. He doesn't hide. He doesn't try to sort it out on himself. A key encouragement from this passage is to know that God promises to listen to us. It says that God created us and he knows us, and he loves us. And then that love is unconditional. So please recognize from this psalm, when your guilt catches up with you, number one, repent to a God who listens. Okay, so that's the doom and gloom done. Thank you for staying with me. I recognize it's never nice to be told that you're all sinners and need a saving. But luckily, there's a lot more to this psalm, and there's a lot of hope that we can find, especially in this next two verses, the next action. That the writer takes. So would you read verses three and four with me? Here it says, "If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you." While in the first stanza we're encouraged to call out to God, in this second stanza we see that you are to believe. We can believe in a God who forgives us. Verse three again. There's that acceptance that look, if we were on our own, we'd be in trouble. We're sure, who could stand? But Do you see that in verse four? But with you, there is forgiveness. What an amazing thing to believe. But how can this be true? How can the writer be so confident in this? This is written well before Jesus' time. And when we see this, we actually see how the whole Bible is pointing towards Jesus. See, in the Old Testament, we already know that God had promised forgiveness for us. But for that, you needed a priest to sacrifice something for you, and from that he could then give assurance to you of God's forgiveness. But that was just a shadow of what was to come in Jesus. I think many of us will all know the story of Jesus and how he lived and died and rose again. But sometimes it's difficult to understand why that has anything to do with us, why that has anything to do with forgiveness. You see, Jesus went as someone who'd never messed up. He was God, He'd never sinned. He was like a clear glass of water that had done nothing wrong. But when he went to the cross then, it wasn't because he deserved it. Rather, he went in my place, in your place. The punishment for sin is death. That's what the Bible says. And God is a just God. That punishment had to be paid. But when Jesus went, he was then paying for my sin. It was like... My glass of murky water is then poured into his and then it's leaving me clean again. It was put onto him so that he could then deal with the price. And then he died and when he rose again three days later, that price was paid for good, leaving us clean again. It's so then when God looks at us, it's not he's seeing us in our sin, in our murky water, but rather he's seeing Jesus in his full perfection. So not only is Jesus the sacrifice, but he's also the priest because it's from him we can be assured of our forgiveness. We can look to Jesus, believe in him to deal with our sin and to know that our punishment has been shifted to him. So then the choice of how to deal with our sin, it's up to us, but Jesus has made the way. And you see as well, from this faith, the writer now moves To commitment. He moves to action. See, to live, he decides to live for and to serve God. See this at the end of verse four. But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. You see, belief is, it's not just head knowledge, but rather it leads to actions as well. I know I can struggle with this idea. A lot of the time, I'll try to veer towards legalism, thinking that uh, the more I do, the more God's going to love me. Or then the other side of that coin is, when I mess up, it must mean that God loves me less. Or sometimes I flip to the other side of the spectrum and I go from legalism to license and I think that sure God's promised to forgive me so I can do whatever I want, I'll just come back to him afterwards. But this verse is really helpful because it says to act with reverence. Another word for this could be respect. Sure, we know that God loves us unconditionally, that is a fact and we know that he has forgiven us but how disrespectful would it be for us to continue to choose to go our way, to ch- continue to put our needs above his when we know all that he's done to bring us forgiveness. Rather we are to live in reverence of God. We choose to turn from sin. We pray to the Holy Spirit to help us. We don't say God's forgiven me, I can do whatever I want, but rather we choose to serve him with reverence. Yes, we choose to know him, to love him, to be in relationship with him, but also to honor him with all of our life. So that's the choice we are presented with in this psalm. When a guilty conscience catches up with you, Will we choose to believe in a God? Will we cry out to him and believe in a God who forgives? Or will we run away and continue to live our own way? But what we see here is that this rider chooses not only to call out to a God who listens, but to believe in a God who saves. All right, so let's see if we've got this try to remember this. So we'll do a bit of call and response. So this side, we're going to do believe. And then this side, we're going to do, oh, sorry, we're going to do repent. And then to a God who listens and then believe, etc. Okay. So when a guilty conscience catches up with you, number one, believe, <laughs> repent <laughs> to a God who listens and believe in a God who saves, forgives. We're getting there. You have the screen. You have the screen. It's helpful. All right. So now we find ourselves at the third stanza, the third action that the writer takes. So would you read again verses five and six? It says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Here we see the importance of a Christian coming back to God time and time again, spending time with him, finding hope in what he has to say, and looking forward to a perfect life of eternity with him. Life as a Christian can and will be difficult, but we are blessed because we have the Bible through which God can speak to us each and every single day. See, when I mess up, I need to be able to put my hope in verses like Romans 8, 38 and 39, which says that God will always forgive me. It says that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When I feel insecure about my self-worth, I need Psalm 139, 14, which says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When I feel anxious, I need Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which says do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Or when I feel hurt, By the evil, sickness, and suffering in this world, I need verses like Revelation 21, 3, and 4, which is talking about the new world that God's gonna bring and us as his people, they will be his people and God will will himself be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Yes, we can believe and know that God has forgiven us, but the key as we live the rest of our lives out is to know that God will continue to live with us and we can continue to spend time with him. We need to trust in his word. We know three things are true when we read it. Number one, God has taken away the penalty of sin on the cross in the past. God is helping to take away the, present, the power of sin in the presence, but also in the future, God will entirely take away the presence of sin forever. So not only do we wait and spend time with God now, but also like watchmen waiting for the morning, we look forward to a time when God will put all things to right, when he will completely remove the presence of sin and hurt and evil, when we will be free from our guilt and our suffering and we will be able to spend eternity with him in literal paradise. Life can be difficult, but we need the Bible to hear from him. Verse five says that my whole being waits. Verse six repeats itself to prove the point of the dependence and longing the writer has for God and the future world that he's gonna bring. So I encourage you, in light of a guilty conscience, number one, to call out to a God who listens, two, to believe in a God who forgives, and but thirdly, to trust in God's word, in the Bible, and know the hope that it brings. Okay, so let's try this again. Also, I'm going to try to get this better. So, number one, when when your guilt catches up with you, number one, repent to a God that listens. Believe that God has forgiven you and trust in what the Bible says. All right, we're all getting a little bit better at that. So, as we're coming to the end of this psalm, we now see how the focus shifts. Will you read with me here? It says... Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Up until now, the writer has been talking to himself, talking to God, but here we now see that he shifts. He's now talking to Israel, to the people around him. You see, if we believe this psalm, if we believe that we are sinners and need a saving, if we believe that we can call out to a God who listens to us, if we believe that we can be forgiven from all of our sin, if we believe that God will continue to speak to us, if we believe in the future hope of the world that is to come, then we also simply must believe that the people around us need to know this as well. We simply must share this with others. The world needs to hear that you can find hope in God. The world needs to hear of his unfailing love and redemption. The world needs to hear that they can be forgiven from all their sins. And the world needs to hear of the future world to come. This life is fleeting, fragile, and at times very hard. But it is also very short. But we have a hope for eternity. So the final encouragement The final action that the writer takes when dealing with the guilty conscience, when you've experienced God's forgiveness, is to share this with others. Find courage in God, pray for opportunities, and share this with the people who need it most. So as we come to a close, I wonder where this psalm finds you. Maybe you're... Near the beginning of the psalm, you're aware of your sin, but you don't really know what to do with it. Please let me encourage you that God does love you. He does see you. He did create you. And he will listen to you. Please do not run from God. But take this opportunity now to come to him and to experience him for the first time. He wants to offer you true and lasting freedom. Freedom from everything that you've ever done or maybe you've already put your faith in Jesus, but life's hard, you keep going away from him, please know that in God there is true forgiveness. He does not keep a record of sins. So again, would you take this opportunity to experience God's forgiveness afresh? If something is plaguing your conscience, then know the assurance of true and lasting forgiveness from God. Admit your sin to him, talk to someone here, and know God's full forgiveness and complete freedom. Or maybe God has been putting names on your heart as you've been listening, of people in your life who need to know this. I know just how scary it is to cross the pain line, to drop the J-bomb of saying Jesus. But please let the psalm encourage you to pray for them, to pray for opportunities, and to pray for courage. Oh, Israel, Put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Let us pray. God, thank you for this song. Thank you that you know us and you love us. Thank you that you've made us. And God, we know that sometimes, or a lot of the time, we go away from you. But God, thank you that you promise to hear us. Thank you that you promise to forgive us. Thank you that you speak to us forever. Thank you for the hope of the world to come when everything will be put to right. And I pray, God, that you'd give us more and more opportunities this week, today, this afternoon, to share your word with others. And thank you for the amazing news that we get to bring to the world. So we thank you and we love you, God. Amen. Amen.